Skunk it. What a roller coaster choosing a film for the first episode of season four was. Yeah. We really went from like one end of the spectrum to the other in terms of like extremes, in terms of tone, <laughs> in terms of mood. Because um, we kind of uh, we kind of wanted to start season four. First of all, welcome back to Second Opinion, season Hi, four. How you been? You been good? I've been good. I'm good. Hey. How have you been? I've been fine. How have you been? You've Thanks. been good, yeah. This is the kind of banter that people I know this people listen for. Season four, back. yeah. <laughs> this could be a new listener going. Oh, do you know what? I'll sign on for season four, but you know what? What what season is this going to be? You know, something like Breaking Bad, where shit really gets going Ooh. in season four, or is it going to be something like Lost, where shit starts getting real weird <laughs> in season four, or is it going to be like? And I'm looking at my DVD collection to see if there's anything <laughs> I can think of. Or is it going to be like Arrested Development and get bad in Ooh, season four? It, it, see, Arrested Development got really bad in season four. you see four. that fucking slam dunk? Yeah. Right, I just said. yeah, we'll never be in the same room together. Yeah. Every episode will be... We are currently green screened in together. Yeah. And like, it doesn't Ma- make much sense on a podcast. Michael Kelly will have his own episode. And like, <laughs> all the guest stars. Um, so yeah, we wanted, to, we wanted to kind of open season four with a bang. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of tossed a few ideas around and and, and obviously th- this podcast for anyone who's been listening since you know about midway through <laughs> uh, will know that we have a, 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 a quite a, quite an intense relationship with the Gaspar Noe film Irreversible um, in that I would say it's kind of the film that we watched on this podcast that almost made it jump shark yeah from a podcast which was kind of just about two guys talking about bad movies to then, you know, something that's never been done before. Two guys talking about, you know, weirder movies. Never been done before, Dan. Never been done. This is original thought. We broke new ground I know. that day. I'm not even sure if podcasts existed before we did it. Um, Irreversible, Gaspar Noe film, uh, which uh, it's a revenge film, um, which we watched, and it kind of changed our lives. Yeah. Like, I genuinely... For better or worse, I would I would definitely say that that film changed my life. There's a pre-Scott and Danny, and there, there's a post-Scott there and Danny. There is, and if you go and listen to whatever it was, the episode was we did before Irreversible, you'll hear those two innocent boys. <laughs> and then when you listen to the Irreversible one, and then every episode post that, we're changed men. Hmm. And we have... We're grown-ups. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I grew up the day I saw Irreversible. Uh, we became cynical. Um, And so I thought, well, you know, Gaspar Noé... Um, kind of controversial filmmaker in terms of some of his themes Hmm. Um, I thought you know why don't we start with a fucking bang and we'll come back and we'll tackle the new Gaspar Noe film Climax yeah on Netflix on Netflix I was like let's let's come back let's let's tackle our fears head on you know we're two years removed from seeing Irreversible you know we're more we're we're more mature now and we have we know that the world is horrible now we don't need Irreversible to teach us that the world is horrible we know it now yeah and then we sat down to kind of watch it, and that's when the the doubt starts setting in, hmm. because I'm like, well, you know, it's it's three in the afternoon, how heavy do we want to go? Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm I, you know, I I did a little bit of research, and a lot of people are kind of saying, it's still intense, uh, it's still shocking, it's not irreversible though, 
like it doesn't reach that level where for anyone who for context irreversible halfway through the film has a 15 minute long unedited rape scene it's horrific it's horrific i mean i understand you can go back and listen to that episode and a couple episodes afterwards where leona kind of sent us her thoughts on it friend of the podcast and we we kind of we kind of you know rediscussed it i guess Mm. right kind of removed from the shock of having just seen it um i get why it's in there i get what he's trying to do i i don't agree with it and i never want to see that film ever again um but everyone's kind of saying you know this film is shocking it's not that level of shock so i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have a look and see what kind of stuff we're talking here like what's in this movie that we should be prepared for so there's a website called <laughs> kidsinmind.com, uh, which is a site that, you, um, you know, kind of lays out exactly what you're in for in terms of the rating. Why has this film got the rating it has? I don't know why a kid would, why a parent would be thinking, <laughs> I might chuck Climax on. <laughs> well, wait, is it suitable <laughs> yeah, for, for my two-year-old? So here's everything that Climax apparently has. <clears throat> The MPAA rating has been assigned for disturbing content involving a combination of drug use, violent behaviour, and strong sexuality, and for language and some graphic nudity. The kidsinmind.com evaluation includes several sex scenes, sexually suggestive dancing, including incest, full female nudity, many scenes of drug-induced violent confrontations resulting in bloody wounds, a dead child, murders, suicide, extensive drug use, and almost 30 uses of the word fuck. And this a, fi- also- a fine word if I ever did hear yeah. one. <laughs> Free in the afternoon. So this is the thing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're obviously, we're privy to, we've watched those kind of movies. Hmm. 100%. Yeah. It's not like we're innocent boys. We don't shut ourselves off to that kind of thing. It's three in the afternoon. And it's a filmmaker who really did kind of get a visceral reaction out of me with Irreversible and I was like I don't think I can handle this right now so what we've decided to do instead is to save Climax for the climax of this season so welcome to the Second Opinion season 4 the road to Climax <laughs> we're going to build ourselves up because <laughs> at the moment we're in that sort of like we're, we're recovering mm. uh, victims yeah. of Irreversible Still, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever fully recover. <laughs> and we have got to, we've, I think, to really come to terms and complete our um, therapeutic healing mm. of uh, Irreversible, we've got to watch Climax. Because that, it's like, it's like when something tragic happens and you go to back to the scene of what yeah. happened. It's like, that, that's you. You've, and if you're no longer affected by it, you know, you're cured. That, you're fine. That is a good way of looking yeah, at so it. We yeah, so we we need to get back to that. But we're also scared boys. Yeah. <laughs> and we really don't want to just jump into a climax. I have no interest in jumping into a climax. <laughs> so that is a good way of looking at we're it. We're going to build up to it. We're it's like we're confronting... You know... Our abuser. Yeah. <laughs> Gaspar Noe. <laughs> <laughs> what an abuser. Um... So yeah, that's the, the, the. I mean, it's not really a premise <laughs> for the season. All that we've stated is the last thing we'll watch is climax. We're gonna build to it. We're gonna build to a climax. So for this first episode of Second Opinion season four, welcome back. Hi. Uh, we we went literally, like I said, to the other end of the spectrum, complete other end, and we watched uh, the 2016 Will Smith vehicle, Collateral Beauty. Hmm. 
Um, which... What does that kids in mind say about that? <laughs> we should have had that looked up. We should have had that looked up. That would have um, been a great joke if we'd thought of it first. It would have been <laughs> Yeah, it would have been funny. Um, sadly, we're not that, we're not that quick-witted. <laughs> we haven't got the uh, foresight. Um, yeah, Collateral Beauty could not be further from <laughs> from climax um oh it does have a page oh it does have a page right okay so i'm a parent a okay so it has parent. very low no sex and nudity yes yeah that, yeah that's that was correct. fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it has a now it has a five now each each thing is rated on a scale of one to ten right it has one for sex and nudity three for violence and gore Ooh. which is quite interesting because i don't remember any violence no. and then five for language now, 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 I'm fairly certain that uh, Climax <laughs> only had like an eight. And it said that there was 30 uses of the word fuck. <laughs> this has a five and I can only remember one scene where someone says the F word. And I can't think of any other moment where that happens. Um, apparently sex and nudity. Uh, a man asks a woman if he can kiss her and she says, let's not sexualize it. And he responds, I've had sex without sexualizing it. Weird scene. We'll get into that later. <laughs> a man and woman hug. That's another one. That's on kids in mind. That's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we hear a man was caught having an affair with a younger woman uh, and his wife divorced him. Now here. Oh, now here's here's the real. Here's the heavy right. one. I'm a concerned parent. What am I concerned about? <clears throat> Danny, would you let your children witness a woman wearing a low cut sweater? That reveals cleavage in a couple of scenes. Do you want to this one? I want to know Scott Morrison. I absolutely fucking would, and that's fucking disgusting. Who was it again? I can't even fucking remember. I'm this so really fucking like, outraged. That's like weirdly in depth, isn't it? Hmm. The people have really thought about this. Violence and gore. A young man riding a skateboard grabs onto a man riding a bicycle. The man on the bike breaks, and the skateboard is thrown onto the ground. Is that? I mean, yeah, I guess it's violence. A man rides his bike into oncoming traffic. He is not injured. <laughs> a man yells at a woman and says, you betrayed me. Yeah, I mean, they, is that violence? Or... I mean, it's aggression, isn't it? Yeah. It's aggression more than violence. Apparently, people in a grief support group talk about the death of their child in several scenes. Yeah, that's like... This very much feels like middle class protect your child. Oh my... A man coughs violently in several scenes. <laughs> <laughs> he coughs so bad he stabs three nearby victims uh, and then yeah there's at least one use of the F word 11 sacrito- sac- sacrological sacrological terms is that like um, against God blasphemy yeah. yeah five mild obscenities name calling do you want to hear some of the names because there's a whole <laughs> fucking list of them are you ready for this I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> name calling includes zombie crazy philanderfer philanthropist Mormon, grandmother, nut house, wackadoodle, devil, pathetic, silly, mean little arrogant thug, bat, and crazy. There's also two religious exclamations. Oh my god, oh my god. You're a Mormon, Scott. Welcome back to Second Opinion. <laughs> Cue music. <laughs> um, do we still do we do the intro? Do we still do the intro? Let's yep. do the intro. What's We're not up? that removed. <laughs> We're not totally rebranded. Hi. What's up, people of Peepleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones. And with me on a therapeutic path to come to terms with Irreversible, 
Scott Morrison. I feel like this film has affected me in a in a different way. Yeah, angered me. It, it angered me. It baffled me more. I think it really did baffle me. <laughs> it angered me. Um. So we're talking about yeah the 2016 Will Smith vehicle, Collateral Beauty. Yeah. Um. So let's fucking let me hit you up with some some facts about this movie should we do a quick summary first? we should do a quick summary of the movie so collateral beauty follows um, but do we here's a question before you jump into it right do we summarize the movie that we just watched or do we summarize the movie that the trailer makes you think you're going to watch? well the people you if you are alive in 2016 welcome <laughs> it's good um, to have you back you probably, saw, <laughs> you probably saw the trailer for Collateral Beauty it's that one where Will Smith um, was he was writing letters to abstract concepts like time and death and love and uh, oh, oh he gets a response in person by time and death and love yeah they come to him in, in, in public places and have conversations hmm. uh, where you know like love tells him you know, not to give up on love and not to reject love and you can't live without love and you can't choose who loves you. And um, and it's it, the trailer's like bookended with these, like his friends are like, oh, we're so concerned about you, Will Smith. Oh my God. We just hope you're okay. And he's like, Will Smith. Will, Smith. Will Smith's like, I'm Will Smith and I'm talking to death and love and time. And like, we just hope you're okay, Will Smith. And that's the, the movie you're sold. Yeah. When you- Which is like, that's a it's it's it looks bad it's kind of but it's kind of selling yeah this kind of dumb kind of pretty light drama that you probably see on like channel five in the middle of the day it does seem like a a, not a great idea for such a big film like for a film that's got such a wide release like it almost might work if it was an independent film Mm. it was like um it was smaller in scale Mm. i don't think that movie would work i don't think the movie that they're selling would work no, not at all. I maybe not, not at all. Not in that way. Not so like on the nose. Oh, on the nose, like cheese fest. Hmm. There's no because there's no way to take that seriously. I think it would have to be like de- somebody comes to talk to them, and they use the wording of the letter, and they never outrightly call them death. But you almost get this as the conversation goes on. You get this vague idea that. They're, they're they're being very specific about mm. things and that there's something very sort of surreal about them and the way they talk so it'd have to be i guess be sort of like vague so like oh you could uh, so to the point where you'd come out of it and then it's like oh an interpretation of this film is that that is death answering the letter and you're like oh, oh my god oh my god it makes <laughs> you think doesn't it makes you think oh if you makes you think about what that film was about really that's not what we got. That's not what we got at all. <laughs> the film dives straight into um, Will Smith is the largest shareholder of this advertising company, which used to be fucking fantastic about until his six-year-old daughter died. And now he's really, really sad, as you can imagine. It's two years later and the company's on the brink of bankruptcy. That's and the thing, because he's not, he's not just really, really sad. He's like... Despondent. Despondent, he's, he's, yeah. He has basically shut himself off to every aspect of his life. He barely speaks to anyone. Mm. Even when they directly talk to him, he basically just looks right through them. Um, He holds up in his office all day making dominoes, like these mental domino like structures that he then knocks down. And you know know how disinterested he is in life because he builds one 
and then he knocks the dominoes over and he walks away because he's anyway, not so he doesn't that. even watch it. He's yeah. not. He's too detached from. Cool reality. guys don't look at yeah. domino castles. It's the emotional yeah. version of a walking away from an explosion. Yeah. Walking away from your big domino structure that you've spent five days making. Um. So he, uh, the company's about to go in bankruptcy, and the only thing that will um save it is uh sell into this other company. Uh, but to, in order to do that, Will Smith has to either a confirm that he will sell to that company or be proven to be insane so that the other shareholders can make the decision for him. So this is all before you've written a letter to death or beauty mm. or love or anything like that. So that the... <laughs> this is such a stupid... <laughs> such premise. a weird idea. So his three colleagues decide... Played by Edward Norton, Michael Pena, and Kate Winslet. Yeah. They st- the Holy Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> they decide to... Uh, decide to it's, it's such an elaborate idea that it's stupid it's almost profoundly stupid to explain mm. they decide to hire actors to become uh, time death and love and to get them to respond to Will Smith's letters in person yeah. pretend him convince them that they are real and then film him getting angry at them and edit them out the film are you taking notes of this scott because there's a lot (laughs) like it's such an elaborate idea and an idea that would absolutely never work in (laughs) any reality (laughs) that isn't a very (laughs) scripted movie (laughs) it's such a strange contract they get these three actors who all decide that they're morally on board and um they're absolutely knightley you know takes a bit of convincing but they care i'll only do it if it turns out you love your daughter that's a side thing um, and so yeah that's what happens Will Smith um, is slowly convinced that these people are real and then he starts arguing with them and uh, this private investigator films him arguing with him and then they edit him out and then they confront the, the fucking a lawyer of some sort I don't you know that no one specifically named um, and he's like why you've shouted at nothing Will Smith what are you insane I'm starting to think you might be insane around here um, well, this is just the whole movie now. Yeah, <laughs> just telling people the whole movie. Well, in case they haven't seen it, <laughs> we'll catch them. <laughs> um, yeah, they're trying to prove he's insane. It's such a, it's such an odd idea for a film, especially because I can't imagine going into it because we we'd kind of heard rumblings about the plot. What well, we the, thought, that, well, I thought it was a plot twist. Yeah, yeah that's kind of a, yeah, which would have made sense. I think. I think if you'd if you'd built this film that you follow Will Smith's character as he's distraught over the death of his child. He starts writing these letters. People are becoming more and more concerned for him. And then suddenly he starts receiving visits from these people. You think, oh, wow, he's having some kind of, you know, potentially having some kind of mental breakdown here. But, oh, then at the end it turns out this was all an elaborate ruse by his colleagues to try and you know, better his life or to, you know. Yeah. But instead, the the film doesn't, it doesn't follow Will Smith. Will Smith is not the main character in yeah. this film. At all. In fact, he's, he's, he's probably in it the least of everyone in it. Mm. And instead, your main characters are the three co-workers, the three colleagues. Mostly Edward Norton yeah. seems to kind of be the one at the forefront. Because he's the one who comes up with the idea and stuff. But it's such it's such a strangely structured movie in that regard. 
where it then ends up that the, the the co-workers hire hire these actors to play love death and time and then each of them kind of mainly interacts with one of the actors yeah. so edward norton's character primarily hangs out with the actress playing love um and they have lots of conversations because he's had a divorce and he loves his daughter but his daughter doesn't love him and he doesn't get to see his daughter anymore uh kate winslet wants to have a baby but she's like pushing 50 she's stressing out about it um so she hangs out with time and then you know michael pena is literally dying which we'll fucking get to because it's ridiculous (laughs) like he's literally dying and so he hangs out with death for most of the film and so they they they, it's like i fucking just don't i don't get it like i don't get like how he got how he just like how in your head when you're writing that film you decide like we're gonna shift the focus away from will smith yeah and instead put it on to these three characters instead and not have one main character instead you end up having four kind of plus the three actors so you end up having like seven characters who are all going through their own shit and will smith is also trying to he's got a side story yeah of course he's trying to join a support group for people who've also lost kids and then he starts to develop a relationship with the the person who's in charge with the support group and then they're sort of there meeting up irregularly for weaving throughout all of these mini stories and backstories and there's a lot it's very it kind of halfway through it had like almost this vibe i know they're all connected but it almost had a love actually vibe mm, where it's like a bunch of different yeah because there's on. so much happening uh, like at the same time that there's so much that almost feels very divorced from each other mm. um these various sprawling storylines and it's set at christmas is it which makes the love which are very well lit like it's a very bright movie i'll give it that Hi. lots of all shot kind of in at night in the cold lots of christmas lights it's a nice film to look at it's a nice film to look at that's all i can give it there's nothing else i can say in praise of this movie and no. we're gonna get into it so this film is written by alan Loeb. loebi l-o-e-b is that just Loeb? I think that might be just Loeb. Am I just a fool? Am I just an idiot? <laughs> that fucking struggle with the word Loeb? I think it's Alan. I think that would be Start Alan. again! <laughs> no, no, keep this in. <laughs> the public must know. So, it was written by written by Alan Loeb, um, who has written... He's co-wrote on a number of things. Right. The interesting thing... So, he's co-wrote on things like um, Rock of Ages. Right. Um, he has co-wrote on the Wall Street sequel, Money Never Sleeps. Right. Um, but the interesting thing about Collateral Beauty is it's one of only two movies that he has solely written. Right. Collateral Beauty, the other one being the 2011 Vince Vaughn, Kevin James movie, The Dilemma. Have you seen that? No. Neither have I. Apparently not good. Right. Well, Done a little bit sense. of research. The, 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 the collective, what's the word I'm looking for? What? What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I can't read your mind, Scott. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I think the dilemma of that is probably how many plot twists to put into a film. Good. <laughs> the, basically, the collective uh, response to the film was, not good. Yeah, I see. So, not the best track record. No. I mean, you know, Money Never Sleeps, the Wall Street sequel, I don't remember it. But he probably does... Just go with it? Yeah, like, he probably does... It seems like he needs someone to rein in some of his sort of, like ideas Jeez. <laughs> or his ideas is, yeah because this is I, I would say this is one of the just worst written films I've seen in a long time so especially <clears throat> on this level so he has said of the script 
<clears throat> it's something that I meditated on for a couple of years. The idea of someone who's been through a terrible loss and was angry and twice destroyed and wrote letters to the universe. I don't know why or how or what that meant for years, but it wouldn't leave me alone. The fact he uses the word meditate. Now, like, I, because it's like he, he takes that, this kind of concept of like a man writing to the universe and then turns that into this very bizarre full of twists and turns like this weird drama that he's created but i i think the main problem with this film is it's like it started as an idea as like a film about sort of emotion and like dealing with emotion and stuff Mm-hmm. But then the film has had to structure itself to accommodate for the amount of weird plot yeah. twists at the end. And to, to contrive all these weird ideas that he wants to put in. And, like, he's he's derailed his own emotional script exactly. he's trying to do. By putting so much focus on Aye. that. It's almost like an Ocean's Eleven style heist. Yeah. Like, how are we going to convince this guy? I did think heist yeah. film halfway through. That's exactly through, what it's like. Because, because for the first like kind of film. half, it's them planning how they're going to do it. And Will Smith... I cannot stress this enough, is barely in the movie. Like, there's a point where he... There was a point in the movie where it cut to him and he was walking up the stairs to a house. And I turned to you and I was like, I forgot Will Smith was in this film. Because yeah. we haven't seen him for 25 minutes. Except for you see him sadly riding his bike every now and again. No. <laughs> um, Into traffic. You're right. Like, he gets so bogged down in the specifics of this plan and how they're going to pull off this plan that... He almost doesn't... Because the film's only an hour and 30 minutes long. Yeah. He doesn't leave himself enough time to really get into any of the emotion hmm. of any of the characters. Like, one of the one of the, one of the main plot lines is that Michael Peña's character is dying. Yeah. He's dying of a... He's got a, a cancer. And it's terminal. He's not told anyone about this. But the guy, the guy looks like he's dying. Yeah. Like, he looks like he's on death's door. And he's like... I've been walking around just pretending I'm not dying. And it's like, look at you, Michael Pena. What I hated about his subplot, and I hated it so much, was that his problem isn't necessarily with dying in itself. His his character arc isn't like, I'm dying and I'm scared of dying. It's he's scared what's going to happen to his family. And you don't see his family. family. You see his baby he's just born in one quick scene. And then you don't see his wife until he eventually decides to tell her that um, he's dying. Like, what is that for that's, insanity? Well, that's what I'm getting at, is that he builds up this thing of Michael Pena's character is dying, but he doesn't give himself any kind of time with that character to develop, like you said, like the other characters yeah. that that's going to affect. His life, the situation he's even in. You just know this is Michael Pena, a man. He is dying. Yeah. <laughs> you why don't why don't we have scenes where he he's worried with that his he's family? going to leave his wife behind? Like, yeah, why don't we have scenes where he interacts with his family? Why don't we have scenes where it shows how dependent like he feels he like he feels his family is on him? There's nothing. This is the the whole um see don't tell. Like he's yo, so yeah. clinical. He's like, My family I don't want to leave my family penniless. And you have to just imagine around that that he's got a loving family. He could have a horrible family. He could live in a in a, a rat cage and it'd be like well I don't want to leave the rat, my family with the rat cage yeah. you have no idea what's happening with that fucking family you need to see them to empathise with him and it's just so detached from any emotion yeah they, but they do that with every character this is the problem with the fact that the film has four main characters is with uh, Kate Winslet's character she wants to have a baby 
But the only real sense you get of that being important to her is every now and again when the film cuts to her, she's looking at a sperm donator website. That's it. Like, there's no other kind of situation that she's in where where she 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 talks about that being an issue, like not having a baby or not having a family or anything. It's just every now and again they cut to that and then it's like okay you've got all the information yeah. you need she's sad because she hasn't had a baby and she's pushing 50 why isn't there a scene where she's walking into a flat and it's big and it's empty and it's like there's no one there and you just sit with that for a moment yeah you sit with that she feels a bit lonely you don't have to say anything you just walk into a flat it's big it's empty she you sit with her she looks sad done that would have given you an empathetic reason to connect to her, which wasn't, I just think I want a baby. I'm looking yeah. at all of these sperm donor websites because I think I want a baby. Like Again, no, no, detached. She wants a baby. Through the dialogue, you discover she wants a baby. The, the film is full... Because in the opening scene, or, or not... So there's an opening scene and then there's the, the opening credits and then you get the first scene with Will Smith being sad. Um... And you are just told by three characters the entire premise of what's happened in the last three years since the opening scene when we saw Will Smith all yeah. happy. And it's just like, oh, his daughter died. And now this has happened in the company. And remember Ed Norton when you cheated on your wife? And now this is going to happen. And now this is going to happen. And you're fed like six big pieces of information with no attempt made to, especially with the death of the daughter, no attempt made to show that yeah. in any way other than here's Will Smith sad in a room now here's Ed Norton to tell you why he's sad in the room. <laughs> like, Speaking of which, let's talk about Will Smith. Right. So, to, for context, this is that those few years where Will Smith really wanted an Oscar. Mm. Do you remember that? Every year a film uh, a trailer came out and it was just like an emotional drama with Will Smith. And none of them ever made it that far, but they were all clearly at one point meant to be Oscar tender. Yeah. Do you know what's annoying? Will Smith is a good actor. He's a very good actor. There's one scene towards the end of this film where he really acts his ass off when he mm. is kind of talking about his daughter. And I was like, I believe that. Yeah, I, I believe, believe that it. as a man who is devastated over this. But he picks some shite. He picks some shite. I, this is what I was thinking the whole time I'm watching the film. Is I'm like, does Will Smith really want to push his acting potential? I think he does. I think he wants to... He doesn't... I don't. I think he, he... For a while, he didn't want to be in blockbusters. He was like, I want to do something that is really going to push me as an actor. Hmm. But because he's Will Smith, they're like, well, we're not going to put you in an indie drama or something like that. Because obviously, you're not going to... Cause of, but you know what I mean? It's like, you're hmm. too big for that. We need to put you in these, like, big dramas where you're the draw hmm. still. So, like... Collateral beauty. People are probably going to see that for Will Smith. Um, concussion, where he do, he plays this doctor who's researching footballers getting brain injuries. Like that, 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 that sounds like a small scale movie, but because it has Will Smith in it, it's like bigger. If that yeah. makes sense, you know what I mean. And it's like I think he does. I think he. I part of me thinks in that time he wanted to really push himself, but he just gets cast in He's these like a victim of shit things because they're like well this is you know yeah it's like he's a victim of his own success it's like well we can we can get collateral beauty made if Will Smith attached to it Will Smith wants to do something where he can be emotionally invested but it's garbage yeah <laughs> like, you know what I mean because it's just 
not to say like not mainstream bullshit, but it's like it's generic bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, dramas are hard to make on a big budget. Yeah, as the bigger you make the budget, the more the more f- the less you focus on the actual like fucking subjects that it's it's on, and you just lose you lose Will Smith's character entirely in this because oh, yeah. he's fucking barely there. He's he's not there. Aye. I mean, you get this idea that he's, like, riding through traffic against vehicles, uh, cycling, and you're like, that's supposed to be some sort of hint he's suicidal, but that's not a thing that's in the rest of the film. Mm. He's not ever portrayed as suicidal outside of that. He's prote- Because that would be too sad. heavy yeah. for a Will Smith film. But I it's think. just a, a, hint, a hint. Well, he does commit suicide in, spoilers, seven pounds. <laughs> but that was 2007. He's had ten years since then. Before he's on Collateral Beauty. And he also did Pursuit of Happiness around 2004 as well, which is quite a heavy film. Uh, Those pers- feel like back yeah. when he was doing... I mean, £7 is not very good, but like Pursuit of Happiness is very good. It's very good. And it's like Pursuit That feels like when he was doing films that where he could push himself emotionally, but he, mm. he was still able to be in films that were good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a weird one to try and explain. I feel like I had it better in my head, and now that I'm trying to... No, I get what you mean, though. It is very... like. Yeah, it's just like he attracts... It's like you're too big to be in a pursuit of happiness now. Because no one will believe it because you're Will Smith. Like, the opening of this movie when he's happy, I was like, that's Will Smith. Like, I I do not see a character there. Hmm. Granted, the movie has just started. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I do not... The whole time this film is on, I do not see a character. I see Will Smith. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get at, is that I think he's so in that now that he can't get into a dramatic role something like pursuit of happiness because people won't just won't buy it anymore mm. because he's happy will smith from the fucking youtube rewind yeah like video yeah it, yeah it's I, I, it's weird that he, there's not many other actors who are a, as much of a victim as that mm. like there's so many cults of personality but yeah i get what you mean there's something about will smith who just seems larger than life and isn't you just don't ever see a character with him. No. Maybe it's because he's never had a definitive character. Well, I mean, he played himself on a TV yeah, show. Yeah, he played years. himself on a TV show. Um, in Independence Day, you think of him as Will Smith. Yeah. In, like, fucking, what's the other one? In Men in Black, you think of him as really Will just Smith, Will yeah. Smith. Um, the only ones I would say I don't see him are, like, Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. Because even Suicide Squad, I watched that, and that's so far from the character of Deadshot as we know him from other mediums, that it's like, well, that's not dead. That's just Will Smith. Mm. And he shoots guns in this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, mm. I get what you mean. There's almost like he's made himself into a character. Mm. And that character just doesn't fit in every scenario. What's he been? What's he coming out in soon? Is he? Is there something he's Gemini coming Man. out? Gemini Man. Gemini Man. Which is... Which is Ang Lee. Yeah, which is Ang Lee. Which is mostly noteworthy because, you know, it's two Will Smiths. It's like... Mm. It's two, two Will Smiths. But it's like, it's young. That's what they should have called it. <laughs> like, let's face it, because we just said he's not playing characters. Right. They should have just called it but two it's, Will it's Smiths. But it's also, it's not just that. It's like he's playing a younger Will Smith and an older Will Smith. And we all know what young Will Smith looks mm. like. And we, we all know him as like... It's almost he's like... He's the Fresh Prince. Yeah, it? it's more like meta, isn't it? It's like yeah. the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air versus Will Smith today. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it is. And... Except it doesn't look to me like the younger version of Will Smith in that film is going to be any different physically or characteristically from old Will Smith. (laughs) So it's like, well, what's the point in this then? Like, I don't know. Part of me would almost have rather maybe they did like a a looper kind of thing and just have the older actor and then have a younger younger actor who's done to look as much like him as they can. And then that way you've got a bit more differences between the two. I'll give it to Jaden Smith. But then we haven't seen 
or give it to Jaden Smith. He which was, would be fucking weird. He was good in Karate Kid. He was good. He was very kid. young, so maybe that's maybe he's lost his mm. mind since then. But he well, he did lose his mind. Have you read his fucking Twitter yeah, where yeah. he's talking about how how do well, how, I was trying to how say, do we know we're real if our eyes aren't real or something like that? Or how do we know trees aren't real if our eyes aren't real? <laughs> um, what I meant was perhaps he was always mental, but he happened to be good in Karate Kid, or he was good in Karate Kid and then afterwards became mental. Mm. I love that interview with Will Smith where someone asks him about it. And Will Smith's like, oh, you know, like if I had a Twitter when I was a kid, I'd have probably said some stupid shit. And it's like, no, 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 Will. Your kid is writing insane stuff on that website. But not Please ask him if he's okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Will Smith trickle. But as I say, he is a good actor. And you say, and I get it. It's like a victim of his own success. Like he is like, and if it would have, he could win the Oscar. He could win it if like, he just got the right fucking film. <laughs> Anything. I just don't know if he can get it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm weirdly excited for Gemini Man because it's Ang Lee. And I look at that trailer and it doesn't look like anything special. Mm. But Ang Lee's kind of one of those directors where I hold out hope. Where I'm like, well, it's Ang Lee. Mm. Like, maybe that means there's something special about this. And that's the reason he's making it. You know, I as much as we kind of shat on the Hulk a little bit like I do feel like after we rewatched it I have like a real affinity for that movie now yeah like the Hulk yeah like I really sorry just Hulk it's not the Hulk (laughs) got a short respect drop the the like I have a kind of yeah I have a kind of weird like admiration for it where I kind of don't like it but I like I love it if that makes sense (laughs) no but like I kind of love what it what it is and what he tried to do with it hmm. and i'd rather that than half the shit we get now. well yeah i, I get that because we talked about that yeah. on the episode does that they, it's, i feel like I, yeah was, i think i was more positive he was trying episode, something yeah. yeah i think there's interesting stuff in that about like he really does i think in that film try to look at rage and pent-up aggression and in like a a more interesting way than you know the edward norton hmm. movie did which brings me to my next thing. Edward Norton. Right. Edward fucking Norton. Hello, I heard right? of him. He's like notoriously hard to work with, apparently. Yeah. You've heard the thing I've with uh, Italian Job, the remake. I've not heard this, this specific thing. Well, okay, so he was, in, he was in the remake of the Italian Job. Yeah. And so he apparently didn't... He was in some kind of contract with the studio that produced it. We'll say Universal. I can't quite remember which one. Um, he was in a contract with the studio to make three movies with them and he kept turning down movies left right and center so eventually they just came to him and they were like you are going to be in the remake of the italian job you don't have a choice so he is reluctantly in it apparently throughout the whole filming he's an arsehole to everyone and apparently he's just a total pain they has to work with and then on the press tour does nothing but shit on the film in fact he doesn't go on the press tour sorry on press tours for other films he shits on the italian job but then the Italian job comes out and everyone thinks it's alright. Yeah. I so it's like, well, you kind right. of shot yourself in the foot there. Yeah. And then obviously there was apparently the thing with the Hulk where he demanded a lot of control um, over the film. I think he tried to rewrite the script. He tried to redo things himself. And that's apparently why Marvel kind of ditched him. It's because they were like, this guy's too much of a faff. Like, we can't integrate him into our yeah. universe. And then there's the story of American History X as well where he didn't like 
the cut that the director had produced so he fired the director he he got the authority to do that fired the director and then edited the film himself like the guy's a pain in the ass but clearly if he's going to that level not so much it sounds like the italian job he was just being a prick yeah but with something like the hulk and something like uh american history x where he doesn't think that a good enough job's being done so he wants to take it and try and make it better he's passionate the fuck's he doing in this like how does someone like that not look at that and go this is garbage (coughs) and it's the same like i've talked about the notorious i think we talked about it on the podcast the the reveal at the end of battle angel alita yeah that he is the villain but i joke about how it's like yeah i joke about how it's funny because it's not a character who's been in the film so you don't go he was the main villain the whole time the reveal is just look everyone it's edward norton he's going to be the villain in the next movie what is he doing attaching himself to this garbage yeah like if he thinks he's so fucking above shit like the italian job why is he in this and it was something that i feel like we're getting very riled up over a really dumb movie (laughs) or i'm getting riled up but watching that film and and you're watching a scene and you've got Kira Knightley, Helen Mirren, Michael Peña, uh, Edward, Norton. Edward Norton, and um, whoever plays time. Kate Winslet. Did I say Kate Winslet? I can't remember. They're all in a room. Yeah. And then there's another guy who plays time. I forget his name. I've never <laughs> seen him before. Um, And they're all in a room and I'm like, this, this should be... Tra- like, maybe not tremendous, but this should be good. Like yeah. you have some pretty heavyweight talent in this room. And you're getting the equivalent of daytime television Christmas movie acting. And I'm just like, what a fucking waste of everyone's time and yeah. potential and money to make this fucking uh, That's what show. angers me the... Uh, well, what angers me the most is that this person, um, this writer... Re- I think they really probably patted themselves on the bat for how yeah. clever. That's what this, Ed, by the end of this film, it feels like it is. It's a writer trying to prove to everyone how fucking clever mm. he is. Oh, you won't see this plot twist coming. Oh, did you know? Did you see how deep I am? I'm so fucking deep. You're not. Whatever. You're Alan, fucking last name, who the fuck cares? Yeah. <laughs> You're not smart. You're not deep. All of that stuff felt like cookie cutter pseudo philosophy. Yeah. All the plot twists were stupid. That kind of made you angry because it was just not taking the film seriously. You're a fucking. You're a fucking fraud. And your wife knows. Andrew your wife Lord. knows you're a fraud. <laughs> and your kids know you're a fraud. <laughs> and I, Danny Jones, on second opinion, know you're a fraud. At me. <laughs> just drop the mic. I mean, don't. It's expensive. <laughs> So, speaking of which, we're fucking nailing the natural segues today. So natural. Let's talk about the twists. Right. So, what, Of the, which there are many. There are so many. And one many. of them I'm still not 100% sure I fully understand. <laughs> right. So, the first twist is a support group, right? Yeah. So, the Will Smith is building his way up to trying to join the support group. And it's led by this woman. And uh, he comes in and the woman's like, oh, come on, sit down, sit down. She's like, what's your name? Um, would, uh, you can feel free to talk, feel free to just listen. And uh, afterwards, they start to chat and like they start to get quite close. And, they're, and she's trying to encourage him to talk about um, his daughter that he's lost. And she's lost a daughter and she ta- talks about her daughter who's uh, was died from GBM. I couldn't actually remember what the... Check you. <laughs> if it actually is the uh, elongated version, uh-huh. but it's GBM. His uh, her daughter's died of GBM, so 
uh, and and they build up and they go for a dinner and he just he's really struggling to talk to this um, woman uh, and then she gives him this note from her husband because they're talking about how it splits up couples um the death of a child and she gives him a note um the her husband gives her a note when her child died saying uh, I wish we could be strangers, strangers again. Yeah. Which I really like. I think that's the one of the few moments in this film that's actually a really sort of interesting, like a, a well explored way of looking at that. Mm-hmm. Is that they there's so much baggage that they want to love it. The her and her husband that she's referring to, they want to love each other, but now there's so much baggage, and it'd be easier to love each other if they were just completely strangers yeah. again. That's one of the f- nice sentiment. Yeah, that's one of the few ideas in this sort of buffet yeah. of ridiculous <laughs> of, of ideas. weird ideas because um, meanwhile across town <laughs> alright guys how are we going to pull this off <laughs> <laughs> they've got like a big big like whiteboard and like <laughs> um, so he decides to go at the end when he's confronted by his colleagues like trying to trick him and stuff he decides to go confront this woman and he wants to confess to this woman like he wants to talk about his daughter to this woman and uh then it turns out da 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 da, da it's the same daughter they're talking about the, the same, same daughter it's his wife it's his wife and they are pretending to be strangers so here's the thing right, right. when the first time you see him that you see the support group he stood outside and he's looking through the window yeah. no one in the support group notices him they're all just doing his thing and he's just watching and i said to you when that scene played out i was like oh I, one of those is going to be one of those is his wife and i actually thought because we were speaking earlier about how this film tells and does not show that was one of the only moments in the film where i thought oh they're conveying that you know he that him and his wife have separated that she's found a support group to try and help work through this and he hasn't yeah and he you know he's watching her from afar and i was like okay they've conveyed something without without telling us outright but then in the next scene he goes into the support group and it's like oh no he's a complete stranger to these people he doesn't know any of them and i was like okay i i clearly put a lot on the film there (laughs) um and so i was like okay fair enough and then he, he builds this relationship with this woman and even though there's already three other characters and then three other actor characters, they've still got to have this other character played by, uh, I forget her name, Naomi something, who plays Money Penny in Skyfall. I couldn't remember a second. Um, but then, yeah, at the end, it did turn out that it was his wife, but not in the straightforward way that I thought it would be. Instead, it's this very complex. And the only film I can compare it to is Shutter Island. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like he he starts to talk about his daughter and he start you know, you, the video comes on the TV and, oh, it's his daughter. And you're like, oh, shit, that's his wife. And he starts to say her name out loud and say, the, 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 you know, what killed her and things like that. And he's, he's, he's trying to accept it and he embraces her. And I was like, this feels like the end of Shutter Island. Yeah, when the guy realizes, when Leonardo DiCaprio's character realizes that he's been insane the whole time. But the strange difference <laughs> is that in Leonardo DiCaprio and Island doesn't know he's insane until that point. Yeah, no, I know, Whereas I know. That's one, obviously, I'm, I'm joking. I know, no, I'm, I'm, like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm saying the difference between those twists is Shutter Island. It just, it's like it's obviously more plausible because he doesn't know that he was insane till this moment. But in this one, it's kind of like 
I don't know, it's very much... It's very elaborate. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of this film that does feel elaborate. And they there's so much of this film that's put under as like therapeutic. He does it because it's therapeutic. Uh-huh. They're doing this because it's therapeutic. And it's like you really romanticize it and stretch in the idea of what might be therapeutic. And it kind of becomes just a little bit too hard to believe yeah. that they would just pretend to be entire strangers and... And there's a lot of it, it feels like it might just be performance for the audience because, you know, they don't know the plot twist yet. Yeah. And I also think that that plot twist ends up just undermining um, Will Smith's moment. Because that, as you said, as we spoke of um, earlier, that moment is the moment you it, Will Smith's really fucking acting his yeah, ass off. Yeah, he's, he's When he's con- he finally says his daughter's name and he's like, she died and he's, he's, come, he's coming to accept it. But instead of focusing on his emotional, you're focusing on your brain spinning through the film going, wait, hang on. So when they met there, they were already husband and wife. When they met there, so when she said this, she meant this. So you completely distracted yeah. from the emotional impact of that moment by trying to come across as clever. Oh, look, guys, look how look how I've sixth sense you. Look how fi- I've fight club you. Like, it's it's clever. It's got a clever plot twist. And the bizarre thing about it is is that you... You know they 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 the 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 his co- wow stuttering the characters who <clears throat> hire the actors to play into his fantasy they're doing the exact same thing that the wife is which is playing into his, his fantasy hmm. you know what I mean and I kind of thought that what the the film the statement the film was going to try and make at the end maybe was like his wife just through showing playing into his fantasy but showing genuine compassion and stuff brought him back from the brink compared to this crazy elaborate plan that his co-workers and stuff came up with but then at the end there's like a second twist which is that from what i understand from how i read into it and maybe i'm just thinking too hard about it and maybe it is actually obvious the actors are actually the yeah love death and time the uh, the the entities they're pretending to be is actually yeah they are yeah. actually them because the wife tells a story about how in the hospital right before her daughter was going to die there was a, a, a an old woman sat next to her and she asked are you going to lose somebody and she said yes my daughter and then the old woman said don't forget to appreciate the collateral beauty which is she describes it as like you know the, the, the good the, the amount of good that the people around you will do and the amount of compassion that they'll show and things like that that's collateral beauty it's like you know good coming out of bad mm-hmm. And then obviously that turns out to be Helen Mirren. That turns Which out to be Which you could see death. a mile coming because when you see a quick flashback of it, it's this old woman, but like she's covering her face and she's mm. leaning over and she's got a hood over her. And you're like, well, nobody wears a hood in a film unless we've got to reveal their identity later. And then you're like, well, we're talking about an older woman. So yeah. I guess we're talking about Helen Mirren. So you understand, like, I didn't realize it was going to be Helen Mirren and she's actually deaf. Yeah, I thought maybe it would be like Helen Mirren's character. I, I was way too subtle with it. I thought she maybe she dealt with death, and that maybe can't she... be too subtle with collateral <laughs> beauty, Danny. You got to be real on the note. maybe she suffered death, and actually it's weird that is a cosmic coincidence. She actually helped out Will Smith's um, wife um, at the a crucial moment, but I still thought she was still going to be human, and yeah, and, uh, maybe it was going to reveal later that Helen Mirren had knew someone who died, and because she's talking up to this guy who is also dying, she you know maybe she represents the family that he's leaving behind she's like oh i lost somebody and this is how i dealt with it and this is probably how your family's going to deal with it all such 
which would be a much nicer idea than yeah plot twist death's real yeah because then it's like it what like, is it implied they I just am so baffled by it it's why because why it? why if they are those real things why have they played into this weird fantasy well I guess they're playing into it because they're actually there to help they're actually there to help the three co-workers that's why like Edward Norton hangs out with love and Michael Pena hangs out with death and uh fucking Kate Winslet why do I keep forgetting her name Titanic fucking Titanic hangs out with uh time so I guess it's like they're there this is again the thing of there's too many main characters because then that all takes away from Will Smith so then it's like they they still had a hand in the in the Will Smith thing or I, I this is what I mean I just I, it fucking just all gets way too like elaborate well, yeah it's way too elaborate and also it kind of feels like them being real what's the point what's that yeah what's that doing at the end of the day like it's it, when you're watching the film it kind of nicely ties up that like oh I'm playing death but you're actually dealing with death and you get this idea that, that that's thematically they're supposed to all helping each other it's a bit on the nose but fine but what what does it add that they yeah. actually are those cosmic entities at the end of the day and why do they go through all this weird elaborate they even take the money at the end where does that <laughs> money go you know what I mean yeah I know that's obviously nitpicking that's no weird. but like it's it's because there's a lot of it that's like it always, oh. I guess it's because they're playing into the fantasy the same way that the wife is playing into Will Smith's yeah. fantasy yeah I guess that's what they're trying to do. It's like that plot twist at the end of Now You See Me, where when you think back of it, you're like, there's a lot of it just just feels like charade for the audience. Yeah. And you're like, that doesn't make sense in the film, except for the fact it's got to, uh, it's, they've got to do it that way, otherwise the audience will catch on. And there's a lot of what I feel like is that happening, where it's like, this is happening because if, if we didn't do it that way, the audience uh-huh. would catch on to what's happening. It's a... Again, derailing then, its emotional but then, intent. Okay, so then, but then there's the detective woman who films these interactions where Will Smith's yelling at, mm. you know, these characters. But it, does the, is the detective woman also a spirit? Like, because what's happening there? Because is she, is she actually filming Will Smith not being there? Or do you get what I mean? Yeah. How she, that becomes, confu- that layer of her character right. becomes more confusing. Has she met the actors? Yeah. Does she ever meet the actors in the films? Does she think the actors are always invisible? But they do say they can make themselves appear to whoever they want. But she then, they even say, and they say to the detective, you got to take that footage, edit out the, the, the person that he's yelling at so it yeah. looks like he's crazy. But what, was there anyone to edit out or were they there like this all things that i'm just like i don't none of this makes sense like when you really start to think about it in fact you don't need to think about it that much you just it just doesn't it doesn't add up like there's too many weird elements of it it's what's known as fridge logic yeah like if you came out the cinema like that was clever and then you're going to get some milk from the fridge five hours later and you're like wait a minute yeah that was nonsense i yeah I just and then also there was that let's talk about the hilarious fucking boardroom scene where like 
they have the videos and he's like screaming at nothing and stuff and uh, the boardroom they're in is ridiculous and it's got these like hanging TV monitors TV's... and I was like what is this the fucking war room like the is hanging... this Doctor uh, Strange love the hanging TV monitors can only be seen by Will Smith they're two underneath like yeah. Edward Norton and his characters so weirdly they've got TV uh, TVs that only one person can see that come up and down oh, from the ceiling the, it's, it's the fact that there's like an emotional beat and then they just start slowly moving up at the scene and we both just burst out it's laughing. It's unnecessary. It's, like, it's also, it just feels like the conference room was designed for this one scene. That's its yeah. only universal purpose. Oh, man. Yeah, just... And then at the end, they look at the bridge and they're all on the bridge and then they disappear and you're like, all right. It, that also felt like the Dark Knight Rises plot twist at the end was like, oh, maybe Bruce Wayne's alive. Maybe he's not. Yeah. Maybe, could it is in his imagination? I hate those sort of like weird, like really weak cliffhangers it's like maybe it's all in their mind maybe it's just not maybe it could just be a movie and it's not all in their mind there's one other hilarious scene which is the first scene Kira Knightley's in and obviously you know she's she's there as an actress and she's going to audition to read this for line a for a commercial, commercial yeah. um, and then she changes the line and Ed Norton's like oh that's actually better and he goes to tell someone hey we're going to change the line to this and then when he turns back Kira Knightley's gone she's, and yeah. she's just running away and it's like where's she going <laughs> and then she runs away and she goes to this theatre and obviously at this point we don't know that they're fucking demons so like she runs away and I'm like where's she going and then she casually walks into this like theatre and just starts like acting and I was like did you not know you had to be there like, <laughs> and the mirror's like oh you're late <laughs> yeah it's like oh you're late and I'm like but you must have known like that you had to be at this appointment but then obviously later on in the film because they're fucking demons then it's like well, you know, it doesn't have to make sense, I guess. None of this makes fucking sense. None of it does. Anyway, it was a dumb movie and I hated it. I hate it. Um, and so did everybody else. <laughs> did it win the Oscar? Can you Google that for it me? It did not win any Oscars. <laughs> it also... Of course it did not. So it had a budget of $36 million hmm. And grand total worldwide, it made 88.5. So it's a win. Yeah. Um, just... But like, just it's not, like not for any of us. Yeah, it's not a win. It's not for any of us. I mean, we fucking sat through it. They probably got money selling the rights to Netflix or whatever. <sighs> but um, yeah, it did not do like critical response. Not good, not good at all. Um, yeah, it's just if you haven't seen it, literally, there's no reason to see it. I think I now have my pick for the worst movie of 2016 if i could go back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean what else was it batman versus superman this year that that year sorry that's true this was worse uh suicide squad was that year no suicide squad's actually worse <laughs> i'd still rather watch this than suicide squad <laughs> um also one last little tid uh, <coughs> little tidbit um who do you think was cast uh, as the will smith character before will smith wasn't always Will Smith. Okay, another right. big uh, famous actor. So I'm thinking a big star. I'm thinking someone with star power. Also, much like Will Smith, although at this point he hadn't been in Suicide Squad, or he had been. Would he have been in it by this point? He might have. Well, the, I, no, I reckon he's just come out of Suicide Squad yeah. because that would have. He, this is more Christmas. But I'll say time, it, isn't he's it? in a superhero movie, but right. not an MCU movie. Right. So I'm looking a big name. Big name. So a, a non MCU. But does that include like? Uh, Marvel, but not Marvel related. No MC. So like the 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 twenty four MCU movies. It's oh, not okay. one of those. But anything else is fair game. Oh, I don't know who's got big profile. Big actor. Big profile. Uh, 
He's done the character more than once. A few times. Chris Different Evans. iterations. Chris Evans? Not Chris Evans, that's MCU. Different iterations. Oh, outside MCU. Um, Not Hugh Jackman. Boom. There's your fucking... Yeah, he's he's that kind of person who would do this. And the reason he... He was signed on to do it, and then he exited the project because he was committed to Logan. Well, good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that worked out for Hugh Jackman. <sighs> well, there we go. That's episode one. Yeah. There's w- Oh, you know what? One last thing. There's one good shot in this film, and it's the yeah. shot where Michael Peña and Helen Mirren are stood in front of that giant chandelier. And I was like, that's beautiful. That, But that looks like it's from a different film. That looks like it should be in Steve Jobs two characters like dramatically posed in front of this giant light source like and it looks very dramatic yeah but i was like this is in a dumb movie and i hate it it's terrible that's the first day back danny yeah. first day back on second opinion and it wasn't climax it, was a it lot wasn't easier. climax it was a lot easier to take do you think we almost have to like because we've we've gone to such an opposite end of the spectrum where we've went for such a fucking like there's like a fluff movie yeah like, there's nothing kind of challenging or controversial about this at all do you feel like for this season we almost have to like work along a timeline like we have to work along a scale like right now we're at the bottom collateral beauty is the bottom of the of the you know the the shocking scale i guess and we're gonna work our way up to climax which is the top see that sounds like too much work it does sound like a lot of work i think what the better analogy would be right so we've we've we've, we're in the safe zone right now yeah okay maybe next week we put a toe into like the slightly controversial pool oh. and we're like alright we dip a little toe yeah, dip a little toe I in there I could dip right and then immediately afterwards we go back to the safe zone because we freaked out yeah we go back yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't like it. <laughs> and then maybe going <clears throat> towards climax we're, 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 we're like we'll go right we're in the safe zone now we're ready well, now we're ready to cannonball into that deep mm. end of controversial film cinema cannibal, I like it. belly flop whichever we choose and it's, and it's gonna hurt either way <laughs> <laughs> um danny where can people find us they can find us on twitter and facebook at second opinion pod that's second with a two you heard it here first we'll try and use twitter we swear to god um and yeah we don't we don't really know other than climax we don't really know what's in store for this season but who bloody knows mate know. life's a roller coaster you've just gotta ride it you just gotta ride it it's like quote, a box of chocolates exactly yeah you just gotta ride them you just gotta ride them (laughs) (laughs) if you're not riding the Turkish delight chocolate life is a roller coaster you never know what you're gonna get on a roller coaster unless you look at it beforehand and you go yeah there's a loop there's a loop there probably gonna have to do the loop I've seen some roller coasters and that. also box of chocolates look on the back tells you all the chocolates there isn't it there's a little menu inside Mm. yeah find the coffee one first because I quite like a coffee chocolate Forrest Gump is stupid I mean, yeah. That, I mean, I've only seen the movie once. But. That was the point of the film. Oh, no, I meant the movie, but... Oh. I mean, I don't know. I've I thought you meant the, the person. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. See you at Climax. <laughs> <laughs>